Hello everyone, welcome to episode 2 of The Ordinary Photographer. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about film photography and how it can perhaps improve creativity. figures with this thing i will get better at this i promise um so episode two really i just wanted to talk a little bit about film photography and analog processes and how they might improve creativity and a lot of that is down to thinking about things a little bit more um so this whole episode really comes with a massive caveat that it's not going to be it's not going to work for everybody it might work for you though. So let's give it a whirl. Um, so digital cameras, the, the the way they work is that the light is recorded on a sensor. And those sensors are not made by very many people. Uh, so when that information, that digital information gets interpreted and presented as a raw file, they, they do look very similar. And I'm sure... There's lots of people who have just exploded, whose heads have just exploded hearing me say that. Um, but from my point of view, when I look at raw files made by different cameras, they look the same to me. Um, and because of that, in order to make one's work stand out, some sort of processing needs to happen. I mean, if, if you're going to shoot black and white, you've got to do some sort of processing. And converting to black and white via grayscale can give very flat, uninspiring results. So it's about that, that digital experience is great for a beginner or for somebody who wants to just get immediate results, for somebody who perhaps uses the uh, film emulations and likes them or the picture styles or whatever whatever the other companies call their various algorithms for taking a raw file and creating a JPEG. So lots of people are quite happy with that. I never was because I wasn't good enough to get it right in camera so I had to take everything in raw so that I could just tweak things like the exposure and stuff when I got back home and I hate post-processing on a computer and it really sucked the life out of the, the photographs for me. They all look the same. Then I had to sit down and try and make them look interesting and it just didn't work so when I was doing things like sports photography or um, when I was taking family photographs they were okay because I was I was creating memories and and you know keeping keeping those things alive I think is massively important and and but but when it came to creative photography that the landscape stuff I was doing the street photography that I was doing it was just all very a clinical and I didn't like it and the problem with doing your post-processing after you've taken a photograph is that you're kind of doing the vision bit after the fact so I don't know if anybody's heard of these these books by a chap called Ansel Adams he did three books 
uh, the camera, the negative and the print. And uh, I bought them a while ago. And the thing with Ansel Adams is when I first did formal qualification with photography, he was cited as being somebody I should maybe do some research on and look at his work. And I always looked at his playground, which was Yosemite National Park, and thought, well, <laughs> you can't fail to get a good image there, can you, really? And to a certain extent, that's that's true, because when I went with a Canon 350D and a kit lens, 18-55 to kit lens, I came back with some amazing images, basically because wherever you turn, you just can't go wrong. So I kind of didn't really appreciate it and thought, well, why are we, why are we looking at his work? Um, but... Since then, I changed my opinion, and I ended up buying these books. And Ansel Adams is a fantastic teacher, fantastic writer. Certainly, these books are written really, really well. Uh, but in the introduction, he talks about vision and visualization. Um, and the first book is called The Camera. It's not even got a page number. Right? The introduction of the first book, in the first paragraph. Um, he talks about how visualization is important and it, it's important to see the image clearly in the mind prior to exposure is what he says. Visualization is more accurately viewed as an attitude towards ph photography rather than a dogma. It assumes that the ph photographer has total freedom of expression and is in no way restricted by my own or anyone else's idea of the art. So in the very, very first book, he's already talking about creative vision. And it's like you could, the whole rest of this book is basically telling you technically how the camera works. But at the very beginning, he talks about vision and creativity. And that he talks about how that has to start before you press the shutter button. You have to see the photograph you want to take. And with digital, it was the other way around. I was taking the photograph and then I was coming home and trying to put some sort of creativity on it with my post-processing. So I was doing it house about face and it wasn't very good, in my opinion. However, when I switched to film, I had to go the other way around because all of your choices are made before you go out with digital you can pick an ISO you just choose whatever ISO you want for the most part with film you're stuck with what, what film you've got in your camera or in your bag if you're halfway through for a, a roll of film then and and that was last week when it was sunny and today it's cloudy then you're, you're kind of scuppered so you have to make do with the equipment that you've got um, and the the films themselves have a different look to them. So HP5, or Ilford HP5+, Plus, or Ilford Pan F+, Plus, or Ilford Delta 3200, three films made by the same manufacturer all will give you wildly different results when you take a picture with them without doing any post-processing. And colour film's even more nuanced, and I'm not really a, a massive expert on colour film, I'm not an expert on any film, but I, I struggle to get results I like with colour film um, and so that's 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 part of my journey and part of my learning but if I'm taking pictures in black and white for me 
for my creativity and for my art, the choice of film I use is, is, is really important. And the type of photography I do on that on any given day will dictate what film I use. So if I'm going to go and do street photography, for instance, I know I want something fairly fast. I'm, I'm just going to use the, the words fairly fast to describe something that's about ISO 400. Um, and, and, and that's the kind of film I want to use for that. If, if I'm doing landscape photography and I'm on a tripod and I'm really looking for some high detail, I'll go for low ISO films. My particular favourite is Pan F+. And if it's, if it's pitch black outside or it's a party or it's some sort of darker event, then it's the 3200 speed film. And that gives you a much more... It's a grainier look. It's a more textured look. It's a physical thing. I think that's the other thing about film photography is you're actually creating a physical thing. A negative is a physical thing that has to be put somewhere in a cupboard, in an envelope. It, has to, it exists. Um, digital files don't don't really exist until they become a print. But prior to that, they just they're just ones and zeros. Uh, and if you know if the hard drive dies, and I, when I die, I know nobody is going to come trawling through my computer to look for the photographs. They'll, they'll be looking through the drawer I've got that's got all the prints in it. Uh, and somebody might find a folder with all the negatives in it and look at them and go, wow, look at all those. And might be inspired to look at them in more detail. They might not. There's more likelihood of people finding my negatives and my prints than there are of them finding digital files. Especially now that I use Lightroom. You know, if they look on my hard drive, they're just going to see a whole bunch of raw files on there that can't be opened in Windows Picture Viewer or whatever tool they're likely to have. So it's just, no. So my legacy is my negatives and my prints. And that's really where this is. this comes from. I, I did do a lot of digital printing uh, and my print workflow is, is still digitized with inkjet prints, but it's getting to that point is much easier now that I'm using film than it was with digital. So how else does it slow you down? Well, I think the most, for me and the cameras that I have, I'm technically slowed down because I can't just point and shoot. My uh, my main medium format cameras in my Mia RB67, which is a completely mechanical camera, has no batteries in it, it's got no light meter. So every photograph I have to work out what the settings of the camera should be before I take them, which is an immediate slowdown. There's no way I can't sort of dance around just taking random pictures with it. It's not a point and shoot. It doesn't work like that. So I have to think about it. And I only get 10 shots to a roll of film, so it's probably a good idea that I think about it as well because <laughs> it's an expensive job to uh, to throw all the images away. My uh, 35 millimeter cameras, I've got, I've kind of got two that I really, really like. One is uh, Leica M3, and the other one is a Voigtlander Bessa R3M, which has got 40 millimeter frame lines on it. So 14, 50 millimeter are my kind of go tos for 35 millimeter work, and the both of them, oh, the the Voigtlander has got an inbuilt meter, so but it's all manual focusing. The Leica hasn't it's got a meter a little meter i bought to stick on the top um, and both cameras are manual focus 
and I think manual focus slows me down massively because my eyesight is so terrible it takes me ages squinting through the viewfinder to actually figure out what I'm taking a picture of and whether it's in focus or not. So all, all of my cameras slow me down and it makes me think about what I'm taking a picture of and whether it's worth it. I'm also limited by film itself, by the amount of photographs I've got. Medium format, again, 10 frames, is not much. I've got a 6x17 um, panoramic camera, which you get four frames on a roll of 120. So <laughs> if I take like three or four rolls of film out with me, I still only get, well, you know, a dozen, 18, whatever is frames, which isn't, it's not much. And, and it means that, Every single photo, you have to check beforehand to say, do you know, do I really want that? And, you know, I use my iPhone. I've got a viewfinder app on my iPhone, which turns the camera into a representation of, of different lenses on different cameras. So you can see roughly what, what it's going to look like without unpacking all the equipment. So you can sort of pre-frame it and have a look and say, do you know, do I really want that? Is it really worth it? And it makes me ask the question, why am I taking this? Why am I taking this photograph? Which is not a question I'd ask on digital, because it doesn't matter. Because I just take it. Don't need to ask why. Just take it. And again, uh, when I taught Lightroom at college for a while, and the the main reason people came onto the Lightroom course was because they had these image libraries of thousands of images, and they didn't know what to do with them. And that was me as well. Take 10, 15 photos of the same thing, because why not? What's the harm? And the harm is that not only the time it's taking you, you know, if I spent 10 minutes there taking 15 photographs of the same thing with digital or 10 minutes there to take one photograph with film, I can guarantee the, the digital ones get narrowed down to one photograph. So the time investment is, is the same. But by being slowed down, I think that's really, it's really useful to me to help me think about why I'm taking the photograph. So, of course, this isn't going to apply to everybody. I'm sure there are people who can just step up to something, snap away, take a single shot with a digital camera and, and then walk on. And that's that's fine. And it doesn't apply to me every day. Some days I just want to go out and snap pictures of things and enjoy it. And family events and, and things that are going on that are important to me, I, I just I will take lots of lots of pictures in the hope that some of them look pretty good and... You know, I might even take a digital camera just to be sure that everything comes out. Because the other thing I like to mess around with is is the developing part. Because there's so much control you can have over the final result of the image. It's post-processing um, with with liquid as opposed to electrons. Is it electrons? Electricery. Yeah. It's more fun for me. And... You can actually do quite a lot with a negative. There's some X-ray film made by uh, Film Washi, uh, infrared film, sorry, Washi. I can't remember which one it is. Z. Washi Z is <clears throat> an infrared film. And when I first shot that, the, the contrast in it was really, really high. And by pulling the development, I actually could bring the contrast down in the black and white film and it looks really, really good. 
just by shortening the development time. Overexpose on develop, which is it's, it's, it's nice to have that flexibility and, and to to start to work with something like a particular film type to get to the point where you, you can actually create some pretty good stuff that would take other people quite a long time to sort of figure out how to do it in uh, in Lightroom. And it'd probably take them so long that they would then need to create a preset which they would then try and sell to recoup some money. But you don't really need to do that with film. And it's it's quite nice. I like the... Uh, I find the time I spend developing is, is good for my creative thinking as well because I listen to a lot of podcasts um, and, and that helps as well because there's so many knowledgeable people out there and there are some really good podcasts that talk about the creative side of photography so it's well worth having a listen to those and, and listening to them whilst I'm developing or whilst I'm out with my camera helps as well. So having a film camera really it slows me down. I know it's cliched. I know people say that, and but it does slow me down. It might not slow you down or anybody else down, but it did slow me down and it continues to do it. And I think it's not so much it slows me down, it stops me going at the super speed I go out with digital. Whack everything on auto, bang, 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 bang. Take loads of pictures. Occasionally I might need to put a tripod up and put some filters on the front of my camera and, and slow down a little bit. But it's not slowing down like slowing down with film is. Changing a roll of film, that sense of achievement you get from finishing a roll of film or the sense of optimism or excitement from loading a roll of film. So I'm going to close it off there. Film photography, well worth a try. And if you want to know how to get into film photography um graham young i think it is did a podcast called how to get into film photography or something like that i'll add it in the show notes when i show <laughs> pretentious it's not really a show is it I'll, I'll add them in the notes so that you can find it but it is it really is everything you ever need to know about starting with film photography because it's not that difficult um and it is a lot of fun and got me starting to take pictures about things rather than of things and I think that was that was a real big step for me and I do still take pictures of things but when I'm trying to do something creative I, I do tend to think a little bit more about how I'm going to go about it what film I'm going to use what camera I'm going to use those those are decisions that help the process so I, I now have um, an email address, theordinaryphotographer at outlook.com. Somebody had the Gmail one, so it's outlook.com. Uh, drop me an email if you've got any questions, if there's anything you want to talk about, anything you want me to read out, any interesting photographers you've come across. Uh, and plan. I've got a couple of interviews, a couple of people who've agreed to uh, be interviewed, and they are ordinary photographers. Nobody's ever heard of them, I don't think. You might have heard of one of them because he's quite loud but um, yeah I've got those lined up which I'm looking forward to doing because really the sound of my own voice isn't that exciting and uh, and yeah so if you've got anything you want to talk about drop me an email uh, and thank you ever so much for listening uh, that was episode 2 of The Ordinary Photographer and I'll see you next time bye